And uh, I love what Pastor Dave's been sharing about uh, going forward, advancing. And uh, God wants you to advance this year. But uh, one of the things that cause us to advance is different thinking. If you keep thinking the way you've always thought, you'll stay where you are. No matter what you do, it'll just end up with the same positioning. So it requires fresh revelation. So over the last uh, two, three Sundays when I've been ministering, I've been ministering to you uh, things related to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was Jesus' theme. His message was all on the kingdom of God. His teaching was all on the kingdom of God. But my experience is the majority of believers have very little understanding of it. They don't understand the nature of it, their part in it, what it means, the power and authority available to an ordinary believer. Uh, it's like there's this mentality that, well, God just anoints some special people and that's it. And in doing so, we live well below the call of God. Amen? But those who understand their call in the kingdom and start to embrace its principles start to rise up and go forward. So you have to choose whether you will stay where you are or take on different thinking, apply it to your life, and go forward. And uh, I want to encourage you with that today. The key verse we started on and be looking at is Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first. So Jesus, in his teaching, his famous Sermon on the Mount, says this is the priority. Now, we have many priorities. Some of them are the just the trivial things of life which yell out for our, our attention and demand all our time. But Jesus said you need to operate your life out of something deeper and eternal, a priority that you will seek after God's kingdom and his righteousness. And uh, we ask the question, what do we mean the kingdom of God? And I'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, and today I want to... Uh, the last session I taught on the righteousness, seeking the righteousness, first session on the kingdom of God. So let me just make two statements, and then we'll get into today. When we talk about the kingdom of God, essentially the kingdom of God is where it's any place or territory or realm or sphere where God's will is done. He has a will. It can be known when you do it. God's uh, presence, His blessing, His favor rests and flows in that place. It's coming to divine order. Eh? So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about God's will, His will for us individually, His will for us corporately. Eh? And that will may be known. We're also talking about God's governance. God rules. That's not a word that people like, and yet if you wish to operate in the kingdom of God, you have to have understanding of the nature of his governance over us and how we position ourselves. So when we talk about righteousness, the word righteousness means right positioning, right positioning. And so I shared three aspects of that. One right positioning is when we trust in Christ, we are positioned as a child of God. He that received, to every person that received him, he gave authority to become a child of God. Uh, the second aspect of righteousness was living out a life rightly aligned with God. And the third aspect we talked about was the acts of generosity to the poor, which is what righteousness also means all through the Bible. Now I want to bring together the two terms, kingdom and righteousness. How do I rightly position myself in the kingdom? What does that look like? And what are some of the issues 
around that. So let's just look again at the word kingdom. And I want to just put several things out for you because we tend not to think deeply about these things. The kingdom of God is any realm or territory where God has dominion. His dominion is exercised by people yielding to him, doing what he wants. So God has a kingdom. And let me give you a few scriptures about it. In Genesis 1, 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That means God is the ultimate source of authority. He has the last word. You may think government has the last word. Uh, it's not true. God has the last word. You may think that your wife has the last word. Not true. God in the end has the last word. You, you may think that someone else has the last word, uh, but that's not true. In the end, everyone will come under and give account to the authority of God. There are no exceptions to that. In fact, in Romans 14, it says, all of us, without exception, will stand before God and give account to Him on how we cooperated with His will for our life. I can tell you now, every one of you here has not just an appointment with death, you have an appointment with God to give account of your stewardship. That's just, an under, that's just a basic in the kingdom of God. So God is supreme authority. We look at the world and we see the chaos in the world. We get overwhelmed by the media and its misrepresentations at times of what's really going on. But we need to get God's perspective. Listen to what it says in Psalm 103 verse 19. The Lord has prepared His throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. So no matter what chaos is going on in the, in the world, God is not the cause of it, but nevertheless God rules over it and He will bring it into submission. And the people He's designed and preparing to bring it into submission are His people. So there's the kingdom that came with, the, with Jesus. There's the kingdom that's available to us now the realm of healing and miracles, of deliverance, of provision, of prosperity, of favor. And then there's a coming kingdom when Jesus comes and everything will yield to him. It will be forced to submit. So there's many dimensions to the kingdom. Notice what it says in Daniel 4 verse 32. He says, the most high rules in the kingdom of, of men and gives it to whoever he wills. So no matter what government is in power, no matter what situation looks like, we need to understand God rules and he puts things in the hands of people to suit his will. So even people who appear to be ungodly, God can use them to accomplish his greater purpose. It doesn't mean he agrees with them. He doesn't mean what they're doing is right. They can be unjust ruling, but nevertheless God can use it to advance his long-term purpose. And uh, the Bible's very clear that in the end, when Jesus comes, he will subdue all kingdoms, he will bring them into submission to himself, then he will hand it all to the Father. So the Bible's very clear. We don't have to look at the world and be frightened. You don't have to look at the book of Revelation and get all upset about the mark of the beast and all those kind of things and what may happen, speculate on all these things. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ returning to take the kingdom. See, so it's great news for us who are already a part of that kingdom. However, something is required of us. Eh? Uh, so God is the ultimate source of authority. Now, the second thing that's important to understand about the kingdom of God is God delegated his authority, portions of authority, to the man he created. 
So when God created man, He designed us to represent Him in the earth. You are designed to be an ambassador. That is your calling. It will find expression in different ways, but you are an ambassador. You're not called to live for yourself. You're called to be the representative of another kingdom, another nation. That's why it says your citizenship is not on earth, it's in heaven. That's where you come from. You're born again. You now belong to something bigger. And you need to find your place in the something bigger and function in the something bigger. And he's not talking about the church here. He's talking about the sphere of the kingdom of God. So God delegated influence to man. So in Genesis 1 verse 28, it says uh, to man, he said, uh, God uh, created man, and he said he blessed him, and then he gave a mandate. He said, multiply and fill the earth. In other words, colonize the whole world. God's plan is still the same. Colonize every part of the world with people who love him, people who are his children, people who are yielded to him, people who will represent him. That's still the plan. It never changed. The plan was colonize the whole earth. And he said also, subdue and have dominion. Now in those days, of course, there were some things to subdue. There were demonic spirits to subdue, but most of his effort was to be in using the authority invested in him to be creative in developing the, uh, a garden that God put him in. So when God created the man, he gave him an assignment, that's a job to do. He gave him authority, the ability to be able to carry out that assignment. And he put him in a territory, a place where he would fulfill that assignment. Nothing has changed about how God operates. God has created you, just as he did the original Adam. He's created you, brought you into his kingdom, he has given you an assignment. It's your job to discover the assignment. He's put you in a territory. That territory, for some of us, is Hastings. Some is Napier. For all of us, it's Hawke's Bay. And for some of us, it goes well beyond that because God's given greater levels of authority and territory. So God has placed you in a territory, and he gives you an assignment in that territory. We'll come back to that in a moment. And with it, enough authority to subdue every demon. I don't know why the church is so hung up and gets to avoid the issue of dealing with demons. They are a problem in the earth. You want to know why there's so much suffering? It's because people rebelled against God and demonic powers gained access to bring sickness, sorrow, suffering, oppression, poverty, wars, conflicts, divisions, differences. That's where it came from. It didn't come from God. It was the consequence of the man God entrusted the earth betraying him. So in Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, I'll just give you one more scripture before I go to Luke 4. So it tells us there very clearly, like in Psalm 8, he says, What is man, verse 5 and 6, that you are mindful of him, or the son of man, that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than Elohim God, and made him to have dominion over all the works of his hands. You are not designed to live under anything, in the control of anything. You are always unhappy because you're functioning, or you're misfunctioning. We're designed to enter the glorious freedom of living in the kingdom of God, a kingdom whose freedom comes as joy and life and the Holy Ghost, all of those things. Church is so far from that because it just focuses on services 
and not on kingdom and kingdom alignment. So in Luke 4 and verse 5 and 6, the devil appears to Jesus and notice what the statement he makes. He says, shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment and he says, all of these are delivered to me. And Jesus did not argue with that statement. So let's get something out of that. The word delivered means to surrender or yield up. It means also to betray. So what he's saying is, the original man that you gave a territory and gave authority and gave an assignment made decisions that caused him to lose his territory, lose his authority, lose his assignment, and I got it. I conquered him. And by conquering him, I obtained dominion over him. And when he, when he yielded, when he did what he did, he betrayed the trust you put in him. That's what's in that word. Now how different are we to that? The result of surrendering or giving up or violating the will of God is that we come under another authority. You have direct influences on your life. You may not see them because they're invisible influences. That doesn't mean to say they're not working, bringing destruction, bringing heaviness, bringing bondage, bringing fears, bringing torments. You just learn to live with it and say, that's me. No, it's not you. You are not designed to live like that. That is the consequence of making decisions like Adam. What did Adam do? He did two things. He could put it in many ways, but there's two things that he did. And I put it in language that you can easily understand. Number one, he made a decision to run his life independent of God and his will. That is the core of sin. I want to be God. I want to run my own life. Don't you tell me what to do. You can hear that echoed daily. Don't you tell me what to do. Who do you think you are? He rebelled against the authority, the mandate, the commissioning of God. He re rejected the rule of God over him in favor of advancing himself. Because seeds of distrust in God were sown unto him. First, the seed of distrust. You can't trust God to look after you. He's withholding from you. If you really want to get ahead, you need to take your life in your own hands or to put it in another way, look out for number one. That's completely contrary. That is an anti-Christ spirit. So all you worrying about getting the mark of the beast in the end times, probably many are wearing it already. In your thinking and mentality, you are governed by the same spirit that overcame Adam and then put that influence into the world. Yeah. I'll go it my way. I'll do it my way. I'll go my way. I won't yield to anyone. I want to be independent. Don't you tell me what to do. It's my life. I'll live it like I did. That's what the spirit of Antichrist does. It is resistant to Christ and his rule over us. Everything Antichrist resists the moving of the Holy Spirit, but it also resists divine order. 
things being put into kingdom alignment and order. And that's what righteousness is about. It's about getting into order. Now, in Matthew 28, it tells us that Jesus gave a, gave a commission. Now notice now, he says, All authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. All authority. How much authority? All authority. How much authority? All authority. Who has the authority? Jesus, our representative, our elder brother, the true Son of God, the firstborn of God, has all authority. Authority over sickness, authority over disease, authority over money and finances, authority over nature, authority over all things, heaven and earth. Now, having established He is supreme authority, not just by creation, but now by redeeming us, now He does something amazing. He said, now I'm going to give you all another go. I'm going to give you another go. I'm going to now delegate to you again. So he says, now delegation of authority is always connected to an assignment. So he says, now go, make disciples, how big is their mandate? All nations, teaching them to obey all things whatsoever have commanded you. Now notice what the mandate is. The mandate is for the church to go as an ambassador representing Jesus, let them know the good news of the kingdom, that he has made way for us for relationship, to be restored in our authority, to now be able to prosper and be blessed in life. And he says, teaching them to obey. That's an area the church struggles with. Why does the church struggle in teaching to obey? Because people resist obeying. Choosing instead to operate under another spirit. Very challenging, isn't it? But the mandate is an assignment. We have an assignment as a church to go disciple our region, disciple our area, go out beyond it. And the discipleship process is preaching the gospel, bringing decisions to, for Christ, discipling people, teaching them how to align their life in the kingdom so blessing flows in their marriage, in their family, in their finances, in their health. Wherever they are, the river of God is flowing. It doesn't just flow because you happen to be there. It flows because you have done something. Now, I want you to see a key principle. in the If you wish to move with the authority God has given to us, you grow in it. You grow in authority. So some people have little authority. Here's the key in James 4 verse 7. It tells us, submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves to God. Then resist the devil. And what will the devil do? He will flee. That means run away in terror. So what he's saying is, there are two things he commands us there. Submit to God, whatever that means. Then when you've submitted to God, you're now in a place of authority. When you resist, demons will move. And if you don't do the submitting part to God, then you have no authority. You'll live with your addictions and difficulties and whatever until the day you make a decision to repent and change. So what does it mean to submit to God? Uh, there's a lot to it, and I, I can't handle it all here, but I want to just push through uh, so we, we get a few key things in this. We need to understand the power of submission. People don't get submission. And one of the reasons we don't get submission is because we live in a democracy. In a democracy, submission doesn't exist. Democracy, the key word there is not submission. 
In fact, in a democracy, people are trained to challenge everything, question everything. Well, I don't know, I don't know in my opinion. And so, uh, basically, in a democracy, the key word is not submission, it's cooperation. I will cooperate and work with you if it suits me. So long as it suits me, I'll cooperate. But the moment it doesn't suit me, I will not cooperate. I'll vote for the other people. So that's how it works. Now the kingdom, in the kingdom, we're called into a kingdom. We live in a democracy, so we think cooperate. We're called into a kingdom where the key word is submit. You don't negotiate with a king. Every kingdom in the world, the king says something, it's what's done. Now you don't negotiate with Jesus. You submit to him. Submitting to him means you obey him. From your heart. Let me, let me give you the word submit so you can get it. Because the word submit is a, it's a, had bad use and bad associations, but it helps if you get over what you think you know and discover what the Bible says. Otherwise, you live out of what you think you know. Lack of revelation. The word submit literally means this. It means to position yourself voluntarily under the leadership of another. So you yield to obey or follow their directions. That's not bad, is it, eh? You position yourself voluntarily under the leadership of another so that you follow their directions and it's associated with winning a military campaign. The reason to submit is so you can have authority because you don't have any until you do. Your authority comes, spiritual authority comes out of relationship with God. So it's a military term, it means to remain arrange troops under a leader so you can win a campaign. In a non-military sense, it means to it's a voluntary attitude of, of yielding and surrendering and taking up responsibility. So submit to God means I need to make a decision in my heart that I will position myself in recognition of His authority and surrendering to His will, to His voice to do it, so I am now empowered to have authority over demons anywhere I am. So that part, we kind of get that part. Uh, that applies, of course, you then, uh, Jesus said, Te teach them all the commands. You've got to go through now the New Testament. What did Jesus command? What are his commands? Well, here's one command. Seek first the kingdom of God. So we need to teach people to obey. That means to do. The difficulty in church is we hear but don't apply. Until you apply, you're not doing. So any meeting you come to, take notes, find what God's saying to you, and apply it as quickly as you can, and not become a forgetful hearer. Now, God has an order in His governance. God is a God of order, not disorder. God is amazing order. You only got to look at, when you look at creation, and you look at how everything is ordered and puts together and functions so well, it's quite a mystery. Hard to believe it all came by itself. So, but God has an order. Now, He not just governs from heaven, He gives authority to people in the earth. And that's where the difficulty comes. We want to have authority, but we don't want to respond to anyone else's. So I'll, I'll describe that in a moment. Uh, Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul... Hey, 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 every. See that word, every. Oh my, I'll just put that other person next to you. Let every soul be subject to or submit to governing authorities. 
For there's no authority except of God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God, those who resist bring judgment on themselves. Verse 4, he is God's minister to you if you do good. How about that? So when you, rec- when you recognize not only has God got authority over all creation, he's delegated it so there's order. Without someone in charge, no order. Imagine if there's no rules on the road. There'd be chaos. You'd drive whatever side you liked, you'd go whatever speed you like. there would be utter chaos. So there is a necessity for having order and governance in order that things can prosper and function as God intended and have his endorsement and blessing on it. You like that, I see. It's quiet when I get onto this stuff. So God has established a chain of command. So one of the first lessons you learn in the kingdom is find where you are in the chain of command and submit to the one God put over you, wherever that might be. That's the first thing. You want authority? Submit to authority. Submitting to God is not just, oh, dude, I surrender. I'm feeling weepy and singing and whatever. Oh, that's wonderful. But will you do what he says? And not only that, if God has positioned people in society and put them in authority, their authority is not theirs. It's his. It's a delegated authority. Will you submit to and recognize and honor that? That's the harder one. That's, that's what reveals what's really in our heart. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, this is a good scripture. You'll like this one. There's a lot to it. I can't deliver it all. I'm just trying to give you the overview of this one here. I want you to know the head of every man is Christ. How about that? And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Now, what he's saying here is there is an order God has created. Now, order means... It's an arrangement to make things function properly. It's got nothing to do with whether one person's better than another. It's got nothing to do with whether one's more gifted than another. It's got nothing to do with value. Value is something completely different. This is about function. See? You can't say that my thumb uh, and my finger, that no, they're not valuable. Both are valuable, but they have different functions. The issue's function. So God has said... Always that there is a head. Now, people don't like that, and in today's society, all of this has been eroded, but God sets a person in charge. And then when he set the person in charge, he then delegates out through that person, and then you've got the second in the chain of command. So notice what the order of authority is. God the Father, Jesus Christ, God's his head, the man, the woman, then the children. That's the order. So there's a, there's a governing order in home, and there's a, there's, a, there's a responsibility that those who lead have. And I haven't got time to deal with it all right now. But I'm talking about the responsibility to recognize authority where we find it and have a right attitude or positioning towards it. So there's not only authority, of course, uh, like that. Uh, God the Father, God the, uh, Jesus the Son, uh, the man, the woman, the children. Not only that. There is also in the workplace. In the workplace, there's those in authority in the workplace. And then those who are under authority at different layers and levels. In the government, there's the government and then various layers of authority. And the Bible say doesn't, talk, doesn't say talk about them, complain about them, go on, online about them, all that kind of stuff. The, the Bible just says pray for them and submit to them and honor them. So get on with their job. Pray that we'll have peace. 
not a, not a crazy government or some kind of thing like that. So, so our first loyalty as a believer is to the original authority, which is God the Father. So every believer here, your first loyalty is to God the Father. His representative is Jesus Christ. So Jesus taught us is how you pray, Father, hallowed be your name. I honor you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's the very first part of praying. God, I want to surrender to your will. However, we need to also recognize those gods delegated and rightly position ourselves in relationship to them. So, notice whoever resists. So there's two positions you can take when you meet anyone carrying authority. You can yield to it and recognize and acknowledge it and adopt the right attitude, or you can resist. Submit, resist. Now when I use the word submit, you think of it sort of something heavy, but really if I just put it in this term, it's just when I see someone in authority, I need to position myself with an attitude of honor, respect, and cooperation, or yielding to that person's gifting. Or I can resist. I can adopt an attitude that tries to equalize with that person, belittling the role they have, minimizing the authority they have, and trying to make me on an equal or superior to them. Or stand defiantly against them. There's only two positions you can take. So, you, so every time you encounter authority, you're encountering God's authority, and the issue is, are you submitting to God's authority or resisting it? Oh. Whoever resists delegated authority resists God. Oh, I wish you hadn't told me that. Can I ask you a question? What does it mean to resist? I need to make sure about that one. What does it mean to resist? A lot of people say in marriages, men resist the leadership of Christ by failing to take leadership in their home. They don't pray, they don't read the Bible, they don't build a family altar, they don't govern, they don't uh, lead and take responsibility and love and, and serve their children and represent God to them. Women, being in that situation, resist the man and resist Christ and rise up and take authority and you get homes out of order. It goes on everywhere. Every time you do that, a spirit enters the home. Remember, in Luke 4, he said, he betrayed what was entrusted, and now I've got it. That's what the devil said. I got it. I got the control. I got the authority. It's been given up. Okay? So if you have problems in areas of your life, one question to ask is, have I brought that area under the authority of Christ? Am I properly aligned or am I resistant and hoping that God will bless it? Oh, it's real quiet about it now. It's okay. You know I'm talking about someone else, or you know someone should have been here to hear it, but anyway, it turns out it's you. Now, I want you to see Jesus operated in this principle, because we look at him and see all the miracles, all the authority, and in fact, in Luke chapter 4, around about verse 36, it said, they marveled at the authority and power he had. 
They said, whoa, he's not like the normal religious people. There's authority, there's power here. How's that happen? But there's, it, it, there's insights into it. And for example, in Luke 2, verse 49 to 52, we find Jesus submitting to his parents at age 12. So you don't have to wait to grow up before you do this. At age 12, his parents didn't have a clue what his calling was. And so when he goes to the temple to be trained for his calling, they have a, an argument with him and they insist he comes home. And he didn't fight with them. He submitted to them, it says, and he went with them. And then there was a consequence. Because whenever you submit to God's authority in your life, even if it isn't, seems to be what you want, notice this, he grew in wisdom he grew in stature, that's grew up as a man, and he grew in favor with God and man. There is a connection between having favor with people and having a right heart attitude to authority. They're closely connected. You have a resistant attitude, it's picked straight away, immediately blessing cannot flow from that source. God has appointed people that will be a blessing for us. Your advance in life usually means some person you connect with. Don't all spiritualize and think it's all God. He grew in favor with man and God. In other words, he advanced not only in spiritual favor because of his submitted heart, but also he grew with people because they could see he was different. How about that? Now, let, I want to show you something else. Uh, just, I need to, give me a few more minutes. I've got to get to the, the bite part of this. There is a tad of a bite in this. In Matthew chapter 3, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Matthew chapter 3, beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now, Jesus uh, was 30 years old when he began his ministry. So Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus came from Galilee to John at Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me. And he answered and said, Permit me this to be so. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. What an interesting statement. And so, when he allowed him to do it, <clears throat> when he'd been baptized, Jesus came up out of the water. <clears throat> the heavens were opened. He saw the Spirit of God descend on him like a dove and a light on him. A voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Now, there's, there's a lot in here, and I just want to give you the summary of it. Perhaps I'll have opportunity to open up and develop a bit more. He was 30 years old, and he was to begin his ministry as a rabbi. Now, <clears throat> he could have gone out, put a flag up, put an advertisement in the paper, and said, here I am. But you see, he understood that if you want to have authority and be released into what God has given you, you must submit to authority. Now, the authority that was operating in that day was John the Baptist. The Bible says, if you read it in, in the Gospels, everyone came out to him. He had a message. The message was, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, be baptized. And they came out, all Israel came out. That meant the synagogues were empty. So the religious leaders came as well. Not much to do if there's no one there. They've all gone because God is doing something else. That's why church is empty sometimes. God is moving on something else and they're too slow to pick it up. Or they're fighting it. Because there's a change. And so he goes there. He has to walk 20 miles. Why does he walk 20 miles? Because he wants to operate in the principle of a God. He wants to submit himself to John, 
God's giving authority. Now, John was his cousin. He could have said, cousin, bro. And just said, listen, mate, my ministry is going to be greater than yours. See, John knew his ministry was greater. In fact, that was the big problem John had was, his man's mightier than me. Now, I'm not even worthy to wipe his shoes. He didn't even know who it was until he saw Jesus, and suddenly he got revelation. That's the Son of God. He said, whoa, wait a minute. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, we must fulfill righteousness. We must function the way God intends. God's way of releasing me into anointed ministry with authority is by submitting to the ministry he has put in position in this area. The word baptism, uh, you know, we baptize people and there's an identification with Christ, but to baptize someone, baptisms were common there, to be baptize someone was to let go of your old ways and submit to and enter into under the covering of the rabbi and his teachings. So what he's saying is, I am submitting to coming under your spiritual covering and authority and your teachings and lifestyle. Jesus did that. Some of us are too important, we don't need to do that. But that's how he did it. That's how he did it. Because it's a principle in the kingdom. You need someone to release you into the things that God has. God has appointed certain ministries to do it, primarily apostles, firstly apostles, then prophets, teachers, uh, pastor Van, and so on. <coughs> so Jesus submitted. Now, not, and once he submitted, he came into something. We'll talk about that in a moment. But not only did Jesus submit to John as his pastor, as the authority or prophet over his life, later on, when people said, by what authority do you do this? He, he honors his, his pastor. He said, well, you tell me whose John baptism was from. Was it from heaven or was it from man? In other words, he's saying, you see all that I'm doing, but I want to point you back to John. This is what got me started. This is the man who got me started. So you tell me where his baptism come from. And they thought, oh, man, that's a trick question. If we say from heaven, they said, why don't you do it then? Why don't you yield to it? If we say it's from man, everyone's going to stone us. So what are we going to do? We're not going to answer anything. He said, well, I'm not telling you where to get my authority from. In other words, he kept them spiritually blind because their heart was not open. These are important principles, aren't they? So Jesus operated that way. Then later on, now you understand when he makes a statement like this in John 5, the things I see my Father doing, that's what I do. John chapter 6, I do the things my Father has sent me to do. That's all I do. So in other words, he lived... Under John's, uh, he came into his ministry under John, and then when John was killed, then he lived under his father's uh, uh, direction daily. Only do the things my father tells me to do. In other words, he lived a submitted life. Hebrews says he learned obedience. Oh, you have to learn it. I'd rather not learn it. But then how do you get anywhere if you're not going to learn it? You have to learn it. So, you notice here, he also took on John's DNA. Get this. What was John's message? Well, it, no, repent, the kingdom is at hand. So when Jesus started preaching, what did he preach? Repent. repent, the kingdom is at hand. He's got the same spirit, same DNA, same message, same values. His famous message is on what? The kingdom. His teaching is all on the kingdom. 
that, now how did it all happen? Well, when he submitted to authority, of course, he came into authority, there were a whole number of things came on him. So if I can just have a, just a moment or two, I'll just give you the thing. The benefits. Number one, he got an open heaven. He got access continually into the Father because he lived under authority. Access into the realm of the Spirit. In other words, the heavens opened to him and he could experience intimacy. And the Bible tells us he even ascended. He came into dimensions either in the Spirit or bodily where he was able to ascend into the realm of the heavens. Secondly, God spoke to him and said, This is my beloved Son. God took responsibility for him. So when you place yourself under God's authority whether it's literally or delegated authority, now God is responsible for you. The third thing means God will promote you. Now a lot of people are trying to get ahead, need to get ahead. here, And they feel driven by fear. I'm not getting ahead. I'm looking at everyone else and I'm not getting ahead. But the Bible tells us, humble yourself under the hand of God and He will in due time exalt you. So, there is something you have to position yourself, submitted to God, and under wherever He's positioned you, properly responding and honoring, and then in the right timing, when you're ready, God lifts you up. Sometimes you're not lifted up because you're not ready. Sometimes you're so, we're so slow to learn, we have to go through hard times and difficult times, but they're learning times. Sometimes they're times of discipline where the Father is teaching us obedience, teaching us and do it my way. Yeah, those are pain. I don't like those painful times. Those, those are bad lessons. I pray, Lord, don't let me learn that one again that way. Don't you help me be more teachable and more flexible and more yielded and, and not have to learn it the hard way again. Isn't that crazy, eh? So God promotes you. That means God lifts you up. Now, um, one of the things I've done, I've known that I'm an entering a new season. Now, a new season, you don't know how long they are. But, and, you don't, and you've got to walk into the season. So one of the things I've done is, over the last three to five years, looked for where I would be committed or submitted. But what I wanted was to find where God wanted me. What I wanted was to find someone who carried apostolic dimensions, not just a movement of churches, not just where they're doing stuff and there's this happening and that happening. I wanted to catch the true apostolic where the supernatural is manifest. And so in the end, God led me. That's why we've been paying money to go to, you know, and I paid, we're paid for ourselves to go over to uh, Florida on three occasions now to make connection. Now, the interesting thing was, the moment I connected, immediately there was a bonding like that. He said, oh, you're a man of the Spirit. What a strong spirit. And from that point on, I'm sitting next to him every meal. Now, I didn't ask for any of that. I didn't strive and manipulate. It's just given to me. You understand? It's added. The problem is that a lot of people struggle to get promoted because they want to be recognized because they're insecure in their identity. And so they resist God's way and try their own way. Well, if you resist God's way, now you've got to promote yourself. And if you ever do get there, you've got to keep yourself there. You have to fight everyone else off. That's why you get so many people or so many groups and contentions with people vying for position rather than letting God raise them up. See? Oh. The anointing abides. So the anointing came on him and it remained on him. A lot of people get a touch of God but no abiding anointing. See? God's desire is the anointing rest on you because of your lifestyle and wherever you go when you pray for people, something happens. 
And the last thing there, not the last, but the last one I mentioned, is you have authority over any test. Any test you come into where the devil presses you, you have authority over him. Jesus went through the test and came out sailing at the other end. He had authority. And then when he came out of that testing season, he came in power. So I have intentionally positioned myself, became engaged and connected. Now you can't just go and be like a restaurant. You just go and say, well, I'll just have a bit of blessing and then thank you very much. You go and you, I, we've sown generously into the ministry. We've made commitment to submit to and receive uh, oversight, receive uh, correction if need be, direction, uh, input. And, now, and so what happens is all is available to us. So I don't have to fight for lots of things. It's given to me. I just got to ask and say, could you help me with this? Help me with this. Help me with this. They'll, they'll help me. You position yourself. If we could learn that lesson, you'd really find that really life would be a lot easier because God's now committed to look after you. So I remember the first time I did that when I was in Dannyburg. I had a school of uh, 25 kids, given up a successful career, and I happened to meet up a whole lot of guys from university who are my peers, and they're all telling me how great they were in the world and what they'd done and all this. And they said, what are you doing? I felt really deeply down. Well, um, praise God, I'm looking after 25 kids in a Christian school. And I could tell from the look how they all looked about that. But I remember going home after that, feeling that feeling of, you know, what have I done with my life? And, uh, and just wrestling through the internal struggle. And then I remember kneeling down and saying, God, I commit my life to serve you in this place all the rest of my life if that's what you will. That was the thing God was trying to get from me. Will you serve regardless? Will you lay down your life? And then he lifted me up and gave me something else. So, I know these things are incredibly challenging. So our, our options are we submit or we resist. So why do people resist? And people resist actively. They, no, I don't agree with that. No, I don't agree with that. They resist that kind of way. Oh, I'm not going to do that. No, get lost. You know, that kind of stuff's quite open. That's the easy one. The Kiwi style is more a passive resistance which is a deceptive resistance, where it smiles and says, yeah, praise the Lord, right? And yet, but in the heart, the decision is, I'm not going to do that. So what you're doing is deceiving. So it's very hypocritical. And usually shows up by going slow. I'll do it my way, my way. Not your way, my way. That's how it shows up. It shows up by, I, I won't turn up at all. All of this is, uh, I, I won't be there. I won't do it my, your way. I'll do it my way. I'll do it in my timing. All that's various ways to show passive resistance. Why do people do it? Why would you carry on that way? What would cause you? Uh, let me, I'll give you the reasons. Here's the reasons people do this. Number one, they're ignorant of how God operates. They just don't know how to position themselves for God's favor to flow like a river. That's why we need instruction. That's why we need revelation. When I got this revelation on authority, it changed my whole life. It changed everything. It changed how I did family. It changed how I did my job. It changed how I served at church. It changed everything. My one desire was to position myself right. So I got a revelation. Second thing is, is uh, see, ignorance. So the first one's ignorance. In the Old Testament, uh, in number 16, there's a guy by the name of Korah, and this is what Korah did. He said, Moses, who do you think you are? We're all children of God. We're all priests. Why are you telling us what to do? 
Now that's how it shows up in New Zealand. Equality. Are we all equal? Yeah, sure we're all equal. Except in roles and functions we're not. There is a head and there is a body. And they're not the same. The head is a function. So we need to see what happened to Cora. Cora said, well, we're all equal. Why you? And then he accused her. He said, how come you're pushing yourself up above everyone else? Who do you think you are? That's a very Kiwi thing. And, and that's called rebellion. That's rebelling against or resisting God's right to have an order. Uh, a second example of it, uh, uh, why people resist, uh, is because of blindness. They just can't see. In, in uh, Mark chapter 6, when people came, Jesus came to Nazareth, they couldn't see who he was. They just didn't see what he carried. One of the reasons your gift is not released is because you're not positioned right and because others don't see what you have and call it forth. We need a community that sees what God has put in people and calls it forth. That's how I got where I am. Someone said, I see you're a pastor. I see you got pastoring in you. I see you'd be great at that. Really? Okay, I'll submit to that. And that, wow, there's more in me than I thought. See? Familiarity. We can become familiar with people. We saw them grow up. We saw their lacks and their weaknesses and their failures. And now they've grown up. They're not the same person they were anymore. They've moved on in their life. They have been growing. So Miriam grew up with Moses. And when he married a black woman, she criticized them vehemently for the choice of a wife. And God struck her with leprosy because of her rebellion. One of the, one of the challenges for Dave growing up in the church is he's growing up and everyone knows him. They saw him grow from so high. You know? And I had to bring him to, to Bob to help out with some discipline stuff, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. See, so what happens is people make the focus where the lacks are or the immaturity is rather than seeing what God is doing. How sad. Because that gift is not released until someone receives it and someone activates it. Even Jesus in his hometown could do no mighty work. In other words, although uh, he had authority to heal and, and had all these people he knew he wanted to heal, there was no power flowed because of the attitude of people to him. Not positioned to receive. New Zealanders tend to sit back. We think we're equal with everyone else. We have the tall poppy thing, pulled everyone down. We compare, we criticize, we find the faults in people. We need to build intentionally a culture of honoring and valuing and seeing the best in people and calling it forth. That's the culture that releases authority in their life to function. See? Releases things to function. Hurt and unhurt. When people are hurt by leaders, that's a major issue. It's a big one. There's a lot of abuse in homes, a lot of abuse by authorities and church and government, police authority. It's all over. There's no place you know you can't get. However, even if someone has abused the role, don't live in bondage to the spirit of fear. Find a way to resolve it and bring yourself forward and commit. I've had to do that. I served under a leader 
And as a result, a tremendous anointing came on my life. Prophetic mantle came off. The worship mantle came on my life. And that's how it came. It came by serving a man. But then he fell and he left us. And there were many, many issues. I had to get over those things. And then I came under another man. And, and uh, the, the area of faith came. And the area of moving in the spirit and developing the power of God and flowing. It came because I committed. Nothing comes until you commit. And then he fell over. And then I was left carrying a mess and years of difficulties and hardships as a result of it. So it's been a challenge for me to have the next season in my life realigned again and saying, I'm committed and submitted. But for David and Kate's sake and for your sake, and because we want to advance in the kingdom, we made that decision. Because it's a spiritual thing. And I had to get over the feelings of fear and uncertainty because of past hurt. But I made a decision, I want to run my life best till the end. I want to come up new levels, and that requires connecting. So when he said, well, how can I help you? What can I do for you? I said, this is what I want from you. I want you to speak into my life. I want you to help me come up another level, and I'll serve and help you in any way my giftings allow. See, this is kingdom stuff. This is how it works. So my next thing will be a season of prayer and fasting and then emerging into a different level. That's how Jesus did it. He submitted and positioned himself. God touched him. Now he prayed and fasted and entered a new season. How can we come up another level if we don't understand God's ways? And sometimes the reason people won't submit is just because they're plumb, self-willed and stubborn. It's just my will. They've been indulged as children, allowed to do anything they wanted, not restrained. And so now it's what I want. And they can't function in the kingdom, so they live in bondage. I'd love to teach a bit more on that because it would help you as parents if you understand your role is to model the governance of God as a couple in the home so that your children can be trained to respond to God as their father and learn to surrender to him and honor him and love him. I'm glad for the wonderful youth we've got here that are doing this now. So we need to run out. I've run out of time now, but I'll, I'll pick this topic up again in some way another time. But I feel today the challenge is, and it's very deep, very personal, submit to God, resist him. Submit and come under his authority, his covering, his protection, his provision, and his promotion. Everything's added to you. Or resist actively. No, I'm not going to do that one. Passively. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. But still carrying on the way we did. If there's any place in your life where that rebellion is showing up, Wife to husband, husband to Christ, to your boss, to your teachers, to those in your authority over you, your parents, to people in the church and leadership. Many come from churches and church backgrounds that are different. You need to understand God's way and say, God, I submit to you. 
Open my eyes and give me revelation of your kingdom. I want to do this. I want us to stand a moment. We're going to go back to that song we had before. I felt there was a tremendous presence on it, how great thou art, and then just get into worship. And as we do that, every person that knows in your heart, I need to align. I need to position myself right. There's a part of my life where I'm disobedient. There's a part of my life where I'm not aligned with heaven. There's a part of my life which is out of order. And David spoke about unforgiveness. That's out of order. It's out of order. It's disorder. It's chaotic. It's demonic. If there's an area of your life, and you say, perhaps it's related to authorities, parents, teachers, whatever it is, you say, God, today, I hear your word. I receive your revelation. I want to respond to you. I want to submit to you. I want to come and submit. Husbands, I, I, come to the Lord. Say, I failed to lead my wife. I failed to lead my children. I had no one to show me what to do. I've been like an orphan, been abandoned, but I need to come under a heavenly father. I need to submit and learn how to be the man you call me to be. Or a woman that's suffered on the hands of men and you're reacting and resisting and, and controlling. You say, God, I, I'm operating out of hurt. I'm operating in security. I'm operating out of fear. He's going to blow it again. Lord, help me to come to a place of submitting into you, resting in you instead of trying to manage my world. Whatever it is, you say, God, I'm coming to you. Come, come. And what we want to do is pray. I want to lead you in a prayer. And then we're going to praise and worship the Lord. Then we're going to pray God's power will come around your life. Fresh authority, fresh anointing, fresh boldness, a fresh life in you. Because the Spirit of God is on your life. Would you come? Would you come? Come on, let's all stand together right now. This won't take us long, but let's just do it. Let's flow together into worshiping God. And those that need to come, need to make the decision, you say, God, I know that resistance in my heart. I'm going to deal with it. Yes. Lord, we exalt you. You are Lord of heaven and earth. We declare how great you are. How great you are. Others, any others, come, come. Don't hold back. Let God's word shift you in your heart. Yes, Lord. How great thou art. Yes, Lord. Then sings my soul. Come on, our focus is on Jesus. We focus on him. We surrender to him. How great thou art. How great thou art. Yes, Lord. Hooray. Sings my soul. Oh, my soul, my soul. I sing unto you, my Savior Lord. Oh, yes. How great thou how great thou art. Just lift your hands to the Lord right now. I, I find it helpful to, to just, just to pray a prayer. You know the areas of your heart. God knows those areas of your heart. This is a heart thing with God. 
So we're going to lead you just in a prayer. And then after that prayer, let's worship God again. If you have to get away, get away. And we'll lay hands on people and believe if there's been a root of rebellion, a spirit of pride, an antichrist spirit, something sitting on your life, spirit of fear, that it will come off your life today. That there will be an impartation of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Confidence will be restored. And God will show you. He'll bring revelation to you how to live out being under his authority in different areas of your life. Just follow me in this prayer. Father in heaven, I come to you. In Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for every way that I have resisted you, have stood against you, been disobedient to you. Today I thank you. You are my loving Father. I submit to you, to your governance, to your authority, wherever I encounter it. Lord, I bring myself into alignment with heaven today. Now, Lord, release me from every spirit of rebellion and impart to me a spirit of boldness in Jesus' name. A spirit of revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's begin to worship Him. Let's worship Him. Hallelujah. Father, let your anointing come right now. Let your power come. Father, in Jesus' name, we break every antichrist spirit, every spirit of rejection. How great thou art, yeah.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, touch, touch, touch your power coming to break the yoke, to break the years of loneliness and insecurity, to bring her into right positioning in Jesus' mighty name. Let the anointing rest. Let the anointing rest. Let the anointing rest on people. Let your presence rest on people. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Jesus let some fire. Come morning. on, people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 